Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. It is April 11th. Again, I don't know why I give the date every time we start this, but uh, I guess that's kind of the calling card on this show now. But it is the day after the spring game. It's Master Sunday. Richie's got his polo. I saw you with your pimento cheese over there earlier today. Your Master's hat on. Um, Master Sunday, day after the spring game. We're happy to be with you guys. Uh, we've got a couple of great guests on tonight. First from The Athletic, Andy Staples, and then second from Knowles 247, Brendan Sinone, talking all things FSU football, breaking down the spring game. So let's jump right into it. Double Fries No Slaw brought to you, as always, by Guthrie's in Tallahassee. You can visit both their locations at 1818 West Tennessee Street and 2550 North Monroe. Check them out and get your box. Order it. Double Fries No Slaw. Let's get right to our first guest. Uh, we appreciate him coming on. Uh, one of the the first show we ever did, Andy was on Andy Staples from the Athletic, and you can add something new to your LinkedIn bio. Guest coach of the FSU football spring game 2021. How's it going, That's Andy? Right. That's right. I, I called the only touchdown of of us media folks. So, oh, actually, well, Mackenzie Milton called it. So we'll, uh, but but we'll we'll get to that. He uh, <laughs> when when Mackenzie Milton tells you to call something, listen to him. That, that's yeah. that is that is the best piece of advice I can I can probably give. But no, it was awesome, and and I just I really appreciate Mike Norvell and uh, you know Adam Fuller and and Kenny Dillingham and and Chris Marv and uh, Derek Satterfield from from the Sports and Photo Department at S FSU. They they helped out so much, and I just it was a really fun educational experience. Like so, right off the bat, I just want to thank them for that because. I'm not sure anybody else would have let me do that. And, uh, <laughs> like, like the, the SEC actually let me try being an official. At a I remember that. I was talking. I was Georgia. Yeah. And, and it was a similar thing where you just come out of it with so much more empathy for the, for the people that you're <laughs> dealing do with. It. Yeah. Yeah. You, you come up with a, a lot more empathy for the, for the officials out of that one. And this one, a lot more empathy for the play callers. I mean, yeah, we're going to rip the play calling and, and all that, but, it's crazy when you actually do it and then you see the results of it. And like, I, I was laughing this morning because, you know, we always laugh at the coaches when they say, Oh, I got to watch the film. So yesterday I, I leave Dope Campbell stadium thinking I'm a genius, man. My first, <laughs> my first call is on defense and we got a sack on that play. And then my last call is on offense and we scored a touchdown on that play. Well, I went back and watched that sack, that first defensive play. And I had called like a fire zone blitz. I wanted to, you know, just thinking, thinking about how this works. Cause we were playing with a little second and third team, uh, you know, offensive line. And, and these are guys that don't always get to play together. And they're, they definitely don't get a ton of 11 on 11 reps together. So they're probably not going to communicate that well. So I wanted something that would confuse them. So a fire zone is one where, you know, you've got a guy who's on the line dropping back. You've got, two guys coming in from the, the middle of the defense. And, and so I figured, okay, one of those second level guys is going to get home. And I watched the film and realized I had run a five man rush into a seven man protection. Like we should have gotten shredded on that play. The only thing that saved our butts was the back went the wrong way. Did not see the nickel Jamie Robinson come flying through if the back picks him up tate rodemaker has his choice of open receiver yeah but all the guys but fortunately fortunately jamie got home and uh and it worked 
And it's just, it's just one of those things where sometimes it's not, you have a, a great call. It's somebody makes a great play uh, and, or somebody messes up. And in this case, it was somebody messes up. And then two plays later, like on the third down play, when I was calling defense, I called the same blitz again. I didn't call it all three plays, but I did call it on <laughs> two out of three. Because <laughs> I thought, because I thought, okay, well, also there's, it was a different look if they had trips to one side. So it will, it might look like a different blitz to, to the line or to the quarterback. So I, I was fine with that. But in this case, they had a screen called against it and it was a per, that was a perfect call. Yeah. But I had a defensive tackle recognize the screen, jump up and bat it down. So, I mean, it, that's not any, that's, that's just a player making a play doing what he's coached to do. They, they made you look good is what you're saying. They did. They were awesome. <laughs> and, I, Talk. And, and I, I want to thank the players too, because they, they were so nice to us. I mean, we're, we're morons. We don't know what we're doing out there. <laughs> they were so cool. Um, talk to us about, I mean, have you ever heard of anything like this? Like guest and media coach, like talk to us about like when they reached out to you and said like, Hey, we want you to come do this. What were like? Obviously you said, yeah, like who's going to say no to this, but like, what were your thoughts? They've done it before. Like schools have done it before, but it's basically, you get to stand on the sidelines. You right. don't actually get to do anything. And like, they hand you a call sheet. So here's, uh, here's my call sheet. So we got 10 offensive plays, eight defensive calls. You know, it's, it's basic. And it's, it's like the basic terminology for these plays, not Florida state's terminology. So they are not like, like Madden level yeah, terminology. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was very similar to what you get out of, in, out of Madden. So, um, if you play a lot of Madden and I got, a, I got an 11 year old, so I do get dragged into Madden games quite frequently. Uh, it, it looks pretty familiar to you, but the difference is when you have that headset on and there's 8 million people in your ear and there's somebody in front of you going, we need something now. Cause they want to go up tempo. It is, there's so much pressure and yeah. it's just, you know, I, the, the ones I feel for the most of the defensive coaches, I was lucky when I was calling the D we got them in a hole and it kept them from going up tempo. They didn't get a big gain on me. So I, it kept them from, from, cause they gave us three up tempo calls. There was an up tempo call for an inside zone, one for a bunch formation, quick pass and one for four verts. And I was scared to death that they were going to gain six or seven yards on me, go up tempo and just, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to play in because when they gave me my headset, it was before our time. And so I was listening to the actual Florida state coaches as they were making their own calls and it was a goal line period or not a goal line. So it was a red, it was a two minute drill period. So everything was high tempo and I'm, I'm on the defense channel and it's just a fire drill every play because the offense is going so fast. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I can do this, <laughs> and, but, but I was lucky. We had them by the way. So Andrea Adelson was my partner. Uh, she's from ESPN. She, did a strung together, a beautiful set of calls. She had a third and two where she, she ran a counter gained 14 yards down the left sideline on that counter. She immediately goes, she starts yelling bowl, 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 which is the bunch formation, quick pass tempo call. And the offense gets right up to the line and you can see like the defense, they like Jeff Cameron and, and Gene Deckeroff clearly have not made a call. Like, cause they are looking at the sideline, like what, what do you want us to do? What do you, and, and the defensive, the defensive tackles getting stances. Cause they're like, Oh, well, I guess we're we'll just we're here. We're playing but, here. The, but the linebackers and the DBs are just wandering around, like looking at each other. And I'm like, we are going to score. We are going to score. <laughs> and then, and then the next thing you hear is a whistle flag up. 
false start. Uh, killed the drive. Just yeah. killed it. The the speed of that offense and the defense having no clue what they were doing is pretty much how we looked the whole game against Louisville um, last year. So the the um, we were used to kind of the defense not knowing yeah, what was I mean, going on there. But it's 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 hard. I mean, you you look at so Mike Norvell had the team over to his house on Friday night. That's the first time since he's been the head coach at Florida State he's had the team to his house. He got hired in December 2019. No, and think about it that way. They, they've been, you know, in just in this weird situation. And, and I realized that, you know, there were other first-year coaches last year. I All this does is make me appreciate the job that the first-year coaches who had really good first years, like Jeff Halfley at BC and, and Sam Pittman at Arkansas and Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Like, wow. I don't know how they did it. I, I really don't because they were under such difficult circumstances. And you think about it, you know, I was talking to Coach Storms, the, the strength coach, and – he just had so little time with them. Like you don't get to know these guys. You have no idea how to, and, and all the, you know, the position coaches that they don't know them well enough to be able to coach them. Cause you need to know how to push a guy's buttons. You need to go. What he, what he responds to is this, a, is this a person who wants, you know, harsh criticism because that pumps him up and he's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Or is it a person you need to take a little softer touch with? And this is the, the sort of thing that, that you find out, through a spring practice and, and uh, through summer workouts with the strength coaches and that sort of thing. They didn't have any of that. And so I think that's a, that's a situation that'll be better. I think the, the injuries at quarterback really just, they made last year pretty non-functional on offense. I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. I, I, Jordan Travis looks pretty comfortable. Mackenzie Milton is Mackenzie Milton. I mean, the, the dude knows how to play. So if he's physically capable of playing, he can play too. So it really does feel like they got two guys that would be really comfortable running the offense. And I, I, I'm not sure they had a, a single guy comfortable running the offense going into last season. Yeah. Yeah. And we definitely want to get into, you know, the quarterback play from yesterday, some highs and lows. But you mentioned uh, the dinner with Coach Norvell Friday night. Um, you know, I wasn't able to get to Tallahassee. So I was watching the ESPN feed and Andrea had mentioned that, you know, it wasn't just a show up on Saturday and you guys get to call plays, but you guys actually had a coach's meeting Friday night. So who was in that meeting and what did that look like? Did they say, hey, this well, it, is the plays you can call and this is it or kind of freestyle and do your own thing? It was just us and Mike Norvell. And he was basically saying, you know, he's going through a lot of the procedural stuff. Like, you know, your, your headset, you're going to have an offense channel and a defense channel. Make sure you're on the right channel. Make sure you don't <laughs> do, do what I did and accidentally hear what the offense is going to call before, before you call your first defensive play. Uh, but then it was, you know, how to call tempo, how to, you know, what what you need to do if the offense is calling tempo and you're on the defense, and then he he kind of took us through what his process what it would be for for a game, and he showed us like what the because uh, he has a board on on their meeting room wall that essentially mimics his call sheet for a game. So you'll see the scripted plays, which would be the first couple series, and then you'll see uh, what he would do for certain down and distances. This, this was blank now, but in a game week, it would be filled, and it was it was really a nice look behind the curtain because you know different coaches have different different things you had the the dude who coached the giants mcadoo who had the cheesecake factory menu as his call sheet uh mike leach uses a note card and lincoln riley uses like a little folded up piece of paper so it just it depends on the person and it, it's interesting because norvell's 
is about the the I'm holding a legal size sheet of paper. That's the one they gave us. His is about like that, but he said usually he's got it almost memorized by the time the game comes around. So there's not a lot of looking down at it. He kind of kind of knows what's on there. But it was it was good to get a window into that because that's the sort of thing that that we don't get to see that much. And you know, I I having the headset on was really fascinating to me just because you don't realize how many different people are talking. You know, you've got the head coach is talking. You've got your coordinator. You've got a position coach on the field who, if your coordinator's in the, in the box, you have a position coach on the field who's making sure that the right personnel are in at any given time. And so that, you know, like that's Chris Marv uh, on, on defense for us yesterday. And, you know, without him, we, we would be sunk, you know, <laughs> Like I, I sent 10 out on a field goal block team. They're like, count it, Andy. I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying. Then <laughs> that's something Florida state fans have seen a lot of yeah. the past few years that we kind of make fun of, but at least thought, you know, all right. So even Andy has trouble with that. Um, but you it's mentioned the quarterback from the sideline to make that count <laughs> under pressure. I bet, man. And you mentioned the quarterbacks, you know, the reports from spring have kind of made it sound like, you know, Travis has been the most consistent and some would even say that Milton was even a little behind uh, uh, Tate heading into this game. But, you know, Milton made three beautiful throws off the top of my head. I'm sure you can picture that, that them all. one down the seam, the left hash one. Oh, my Lord. I was I was behind that play. I was on the sideline behind them. And so you could see it kind of develop and, and you saw the, pl- the the receiver spring open and he j- just the behind the ball view of that, that throw was gorgeous. It was like, wow, that's the McKenzie Milton. I remember. And so it was pretty cool to see, but I, I'm with you. I, you know, Travis definitely seems the most in control. I would think Milton is, is probably number two there. And then, you know, we see what happens with Rodemaker. Uh, and obviously when Chubba Purdy gets back, because, you know, I, I think he's going to be behind, but that they probably did the right thing having him rehab through the spring because it it's, it feels to me like they brought him back a little too early in the fall to try to get you know get him some playing time, and that you know complicated the injury and and so just get him completely healthy and and, and let him let him work in fall camp and see what happens. Yeah, and then uh, you know. Uh... Florida State's recruiting class this year wasn't what we're used to, especially when Jimbo was just pulling in top five classes left and right. But a couple freshmen stood out. And uh, what were your thoughts on Malik McLean? Malik McLean, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like we, I, you knew he was a four He's star from few. Alabama, but he was man He's that catch few. from Milton. <laughs> Yeah, he's one of the few dudes that that are going to play quite a bit. I think that that were still playing when I was calling plays, and uh, so hit, a slant to him was what set up the game-winning touchdown for my team. Uh, he gained 14 yards on a slant on second and ten, and I had called the same play two plays in a row. Um, Geno English had had gone had tried to get the back out of the backfield on the first one and just thrown it a little bit low, and. Uh, this, so I said, just do it again, because that play had a lot of different options on it for, for the QB uh, if he just saw something pre-snap. And so the corner just backs off of McLean right before the snap. And so I knew I knew he was going to be open and Gino hit him and it was it was awesome. And uh, so it was uh, it, McLean looks like a dude. He's six, four, probably about 200 pounds. And he's a freshman. So. We'll see when he has to play against Notre Dame DBs week one, but he looks like he can contribute right away. And, you know, it, he, he looked 
and felt different watching him play. Talk to me about FSU's O-line, a, a position group that uh, has struggled not as of late for as long as we can remember. Right? Well, it's, it's, it's hard to it's say because a lot of those guys were hurt. A lot yeah. of the guys who were going to play weren't playing yesterday, and they were hurt. So it's, it's pretty hard to get a gauge on it. That that's that's the issue. Now, I you know from from a body type standpoint, they, they've got a lot of you know tackles who are longer, leaner. You know, they look like they can move a little bit. So I think that's good. But it's it's really hard to say what that line's going to look like because you didn't see all of the guys who are going to play. Now, I, I felt really bad. There was a second string tackle who had to play against Jermaine Johnson on the first uh, first series. Jermaine Johnson is a dude now. That first rep, the the hands, the punch, this poor tackle just like lifted off the ground. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. That's but think about this. That says something about Florida State, and it says something about Georgia, doesn't it? Yeah. That Jermaine Johnson, who is going to be in a rotation. Now, here's the thing. He wasn't going to be a backup at Georgia. He was going to be in a rotation where he would have been an important part of the defense. But he wanted to be in a situation where he's going to be more like an every-down type guy. And so at Florida State, he will be. The difference is at Florida State, he is he walks in as the best player on the roster. And so that tells you how loaded a team like Georgia is, which is a team that that should hope to compete for national titles. And it tells you where Florida state is relative to where it was say in, in 2013 or 2014. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of people, we've had a couple of, we had a, who was on? Oh, Mike Farrell. And when we asked about a standout player, he said, Jermaine Johnson, like he said, that would be the guy that out of the transfer portal he's, outside of potentially Milton, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Johnson yeah. just being that guy. If you had, okay, we'll go back to the quarterbacks real quick. But if you had to call a starter now in the spring, based on your day and a half of being around these guys, um, <laughs> who are you calling as the starter for Notre Dame? <laughs> I would say if the season started today, they'd start Travis. But if McKenzie proves that he's healthy enough to play, which is still probably something that, that the coaching staff is going to want to be absolutely sure of before they put him out there in a game, I think there's a good chance he could win that job in camp. But I, I it's it's going... It would be a, it would be a climb. He was gonna ha he would have to climb past Travis to do that because Travis, like I said, seems very comfortable operating on offense. Yeah, that's been the report. That's been what we've heard is that just the understanding of the offense, which which makes a lot of sense. Milton being new there on campus and Travis had been in it for a, a couple of years. Um, did you have much interaction with uh, Gene or Jeff Cameron? I know you were with Andrea a lot, but oh, did you have yeah. much interaction with those guys? Um, let's well, talk about I, that. Jeff, we're I, like. Tallahassee and I have done a legend. lot of stuff together and, uh, and, and Jeff, you know, Jeff and I both do shows on Sirius XM. So we've done shows together and like, I went on his show for about 30 minutes on, uh, on Friday, just to kind of pump it, pump this up and, and mostly so Jeff could pre-tape a segment so he could get out there and get to our <laughs> coaches meeting. Uh, but, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and Gene, I had not met before and obviously Gene's a legend, you know, yeah. I'm a, I was afraid Gene was going to bring a bunch of Brady stuff with him. You know, <laughs> from, from his other gigs. So uh, Gene, Gene is amazing to me because nobody makes a three yard gain sound more exciting than Gene. Oh there. my goodness. No one on earth. Hand off to Dalvin Cook breaks through the line and he's churning and churning and burning and he's brought down second and seven. <laughs> the uh the best thing about gene is he he never loses that passion at all we had on the we've never what's funny is we've had you and andrea on here but we've never had gene or jeff 
on here. So go go figure oh, the luck. But uh, we've had we've had Jeff and Gene both on the big three roll up, and we had three weeks in a row. We had Mick Hubert, uh, Joe Zagaki, the Miami play by play guy, and yep. Gene Eckerhoff on, and. Our, you know the big thrill of like we don't you know we weren't looking for like the rah rah FSU. How did, we how did looking, Gene and Silk get oh, along? That's what I want to know. Oh no, it was it was back to back. Oh no, he was cool with him. He was um. But anyway, so we interviewed Mick and we interviewed Joe, and it was very much just like tell us about your background. How'd you get into radio? We didn't talk about like the upcoming season at all. Like it just wasn't. That's not the vibe that we typically go for. Right. We want to know more the backstory and stuff. That's not what we did with Gene. <laughs> Gene wanted to talk about it's, you know, he came on Gene Eckerhoff of, you know, IMG radio, blah, blah, blah. Well, boys, thanks for having me. It's 87 days until kickoff and I can't wait till toe hits left. And we were just like, this is not the right interview. Man, so he the just, man knows when to flip yeah. the switch. He's, he, oh yeah. And he's, uh, cause they, they introduced us to the team at the deal at, at Mike Norvell's house. And he starts, he starts going through one of the calls from the choke at Doak. And I, I, you know, no. I think that was for, for me and Andrea's benefit because we yeah. were in Florida, but um, we were in high school at the time. So no, no, nothing to do with that one. But, but it was funny because the, I, I, the players are kind of looking around like, I don't think they know what, what game yeah, he's talking they've about. They've got either. no clue either. <laughs> this isn't like something that Jameis did or even like PETA. Like we're talking all the way back, you know. To, yeah, I mean, I, so, so 90, yeah, 94, I'm a junior in high school Yeah, when, when that happened. Um, did you, did anybody give you a hard time about both of you guys being Gators, uh, or anything? I mean, no, Gene's a Gator too. I, so, I mean, like, cool. come on. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> everybody was really cool about it. And, and, you know, here's the thing. It, they've been through so much stuff. You know, it's not, they understand. I think that it, that whole deal is just for fun right now, you know? And yeah. I didn't, I've never been one to be like, oh, you know, I went to Florida, Florida state stinks, Tallahassee stinks. I, I never got that. Like I always had a blast when I went to Tallahassee when I was in college. And, you know, if you were involved in, and, you know, I was a human tackling dummy for Florida for a bit. If you were involved in that at all, you respected Florida state because they were so freaking good. Yeah. I mean, th their players were amazing. So uh, that was, yeah, we were joking around. I was joking around with Jeff because we were talking about Randy Moss being there. And he's like, can you imagine if Randy Moss has stayed? And I'm like, I don't want to imagine if Randy Moss has stayed because if Randy Moss has stayed, I don't get a national championship ring. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I, it's it, but it, it it's a lot of fun, and and I just thought it was so nice of them to let us do that and and to give us that experience because it will help me not just covering Florida State, but it will help me in my job for the rest of my life because I've had that experience and I understand a little bit better what that person is dealing with as they're calling a play. Yeah. And ditto for the SEC. Let me do the, the officials thing two years ago. I understand that so much better. And it, it helps you when you see a call to understand how the call got made, why it got made, what the mechanics were of the officials and who made it and, and what they did next and all that. So I just, I, I cannot thank, the, the staff enough for, for being so cool. Cause they, they could have just done the thing where we stood there on the sideline, but they just, and then the ice bath, I, I, the, the Powerade bath. I, I, I wanted that was a pretty nice touch. I want to ask about that before I do, if you guys haven't seen this, I'll play the clip real quick. And I mean, I know you've seen it, but like if, if you guys are watching, haven't seen this, this was yesterday. And then we'll talk about it in just a sec. 
Oh, they both got the Gatorade bath. Oh, well, Dekov yeah. is over here with the white hair and the white shirt. He escaped it. Adelson. Yeah, so it wasn't Gatorade. We we don't do Gatorade on our campus. I know that's the rivalry thing. Coca Cola campus. That's right. Yeah, Powerade bath. Um, Josh Newberg tells the story of when he first started covering Florida State. He was walk. He walked onto the field with a with a Gatorade, and Odell Hagens walked up to him and slapped it out of his hand and said, "You don't drink that here." So anyway, it's, I, I that's you, like wearing you, Adidas at Oregon. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell. I mean, I assume you weren't expecting that this week no no <laughs> it's like the, you know the first the first few drops hit you and you're like huh and then it's all just cascading down yeah. you're like oh my god i just i just got <laughs> yeah. dunked what the what <laughs> but it was it was really cool and uh fortunately because i was driving home right after the game but i had stayed friday night so i had my bag with my clothes in the in the truck so i changed as soon as i got yeah there. so i didn't have to go go home soaked but it was a uh it was just a really fun day. And I, I am so grateful that I got to do it because, you know, I, I, I'm have a story coming out in the athletic. Uh, this is, it'll be out Monday morning. So probably about the same time as this podcast. Yeah, when this drops, and, yeah. and so you can, you can get a little more, you know, inside what we were doing. And I, I've got a couple more Florida state stories coming out in the next few weeks. I've got, we do our state of the program series where we examine every series, every program in the FBS and I've got Florida State. That one comes out later this month, uh, which will be a, a deep dive into into basically the entire depth chart. And you know, it's it's one of those things where this is a program kind of in transition, and I think they know that. And it's different. It's different because none of these guys were were there, other than Odell and 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 a couple other coaches. You know, they've not had the highs of being at Florida State, but they weren't there for the lows of of. Willie Taggart and the end of the Jimbo Fisher era. So all they're trying to do is do a job, win games and, and bring them back to, to what they're supposed to be. And I think they appreciate that. I think, I think those, that coaching staff appreciates what the mission is. And oh. you know, I, it's, it's not easy. It's really not going to be easy, but the thing is given all the circumstances that they took over with, they should have some time. And I think I think w with time they can make it work. We uh we talked about that. I want to bring you back on before the season starts and after your article comes out. So sometime between then to kind of talk about where Florida State's at going into the season. So I don't want to dive too deep into the fall just yet. Um, so yeah, it was really cool to see you guys out there yesterday, and I'm I'm glad they reached out to you, and I'm glad they reached out to somebody that I know and I'm good friend or good buddies with, so that you, we get you on here to talk about it. Oh, um, no, it's, it's my pleasure. Um. But we talked about this. I, I had said something to you, and I should have gone back and listened to the show, but I didn't remember it until like seconds before you came on. I was talking with Richie about you just before. But you had talked about potential, uh, or for some reason, we, we talked about in the last time you were on about expanding um, the playoff, right? And I have never been a massive fan of the idea of that. And I think I've talked myself into becoming a big fan. And I want to tell you why, and then I want you to tell me what your thoughts are. Okay. But I think bowl season has become rendered irrelevant. And the only way to save that is by expanding the playoffs. And that'll essentially make the bowl season more exciting because we'll get, we'll get more good games at the end of the year. Cause nobody wants to watch a Florida team that just puts up a billion points on right. offense, limp into a game against Oklahoma and get their heads blown. Yeah, We're, we're, so, we're none of the best players want to play. Yeah. And yeah, I know I'm, I'm with you there. My thing is, and the reason I, I have said all along, go to eight. And I don't think they should go past eight. 
I know that if they go to eight, people are like, go to 16. I, I think eight's the right number because you remain the most exclusive playoff in sports, but you get the right, you, you hit the right number. And the reason I say the right number is it's bad for business when every team west of the Rockies thinks they're out of it in week three. Yeah. Like that shouldn't happen. And so the Pac-12 needs to participate. The group of five needs a chance to participate. And if you go eight teams, you go five power five champs get in, two at largest, highest ranked group of five champ. That keeps everybody engaged. That makes, and you say, oh, well, but then the SEC championship won't matter. Yeah, it will. If the team that's not supposed to win when it's wins it because they're going to make the playoff, the team that was supposed to win, it's going to make the playoff and somebody else ain't going to make it. Yeah. Or, you know, because you get bid thieves. But, the, you know, think about the Pac-12 championship last year. In a lot of years. In a lot of years, the SEC loser would would make it anyway. Like Florida would have made it Absolutely. this year, you know. So I mean, Absolutely. well, I don't know. Well, not I, with the lost LSU. Not with on, the, yeah, it might, yeah, it might depend on how that game goes. And yeah. and so that's what you say is, well, did that render the regular season irrelevant? No, because the loss to LSU certainly mattered, right, for that Florida team. But think about the Pac-12 championship game, completely irrelevant last year. There was no reason to watch it if you weren't a USC or an Oregon fan. Yeah. Well, guess what? It's for a playoff berth in that other one. And you can say, well, that doesn't, that those teams don't belong. How do you know? Like last <laughs> year, there was no non-conference. You don't know who belongs and who doesn't. So I, I think that'll be more fun. And, and people always will, will point to the 1-8 games. Well, I don't want to see that game. Yeah, but you do want to see the 4-5 game. You do want to see the 3-6 game. You know, 4-5 would have been Notre Dame, Texas A&M. How great would that have been? 3-6 would have been Oklahoma, Ohio State. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I mean, you sold me on it, so I'm kind of all in with it. Are you uh, Are you going to be in Tallahassee for that Notre Dame game? Have you gotten your assignments yet or know what's going on? Oh, we we, we won't know. I We don't know yet how travel is going to work. for. I've got my, my second shot coming up later this month, and so I think we're going to be able to get around this season, but I don't know exactly how that's going to work or, or what games I'm going to be going to yet. So we we got to probably wait till probably June, July before we make those decisions, because we just have to see what, you know, what we're allowed to do. Cause a lot of it is, you know, what will the schools let you do? Will they let you interview the players in person, that sort of thing. And a lot of schools aren't doing that yet, but are planning on doing that in the next few months. So right. uh, it's not worth it for me to go to a game if I can't talk to anybody in person. So, yeah. but if, if that changes, then yeah, I want to get out there. So I, it was nice. It's nice to get out of the house and, and get up to Tallahassee. You know, I, I, I took my COVID test. I have a negative COVID test and got up there and masked up. And uh, but it was it was nice to to travel again. It was weird checking into a hotel. I was like, oh, okay. This is, yeah. This is, First time I've been in a long time. Too, yeah. yeah so. um, we've got you a Guthrie's tailgate if you uh, if you come up for that one on that Sunday oh, night. So man. <laughs> <laughs> man. Uh, talk about plug real quick. The article will drop tomorrow morning on the spring. Game. I'm sure you'll talk about it in your podcast. You talk to us about your, where I mean, you, you already said it, but you can find his work at the athletic. Talk to us about where you write, where they can find your podcast, and then we'll get you out of here. Thanks for hanging out, man. Yep. So theathletic.com. Uh, you know, we, we love our subscribers and uh, feel free to subscribe. The good thing about us is we cover everything. We have, we have somebody on every NFL team, every NBA team, you know, we cover a ton of college football. So, we probably cover a lot of the teams you love. We, we do, you know, English soccer, Italian soccer, all that stuff too. And so I, I, I just think it's, it's the best deal going in sports 
you know, we usually have a deal for new subscribers. The regular price isn't bad either. It's $7.99 a month. Uh, it, and it's, it's more than you can possibly read in a day. Uh, so you've got that. And then the Andy Staple Show is the name of the podcast. You can get it wherever you get podcasts, whether it's Spotify, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, and that is, that is free. Uh, so feel free to subscribe, rate, review. We love you. And uh, <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you for having me. I, I wear my double, double fries, no slaw t-shirt very proudly. Oh, we appreciate it. I Love do too. It. My wife's pretty sick of me wearing it, but like at least <laughs> you probably get less crap. Shirt. It's it's perfectly. I love it. <laughs> you can pick that up at bigthroughrollup.com if you'd like to get one for yourself. So Andy, Coach Staples, thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight. Man, you have a good one. Thank you guys. <laughs> See you, buddy. Andy. Andy was great. It was fun watching the spring game uh the other day. The power bath was fantastic. Um, I'm excited for the article to come out. He did a feature on um, the Big Three Roll-Up Network and stuff a few uh, weeks ago, a few months ago now. Did a great job with it. Um, and so I'm excited for that to come out. From one legend to another, we will go right into our next guest. All the way from Tallahassee, Florida, Brendan Sinone. Brendan is a host on... On the Bench podcast, he's a host on the Worst Stock Show and my favorite, Bourbon on a Budget. So, Brendan, how you doing tonight? I'm oversaturated with podcasts, and I'm honored to be uh, infiltrating this one as well. Happy to be on one more. So, thanks for coming on. Oh, also of Knowles 247. Sorry, he works with New Yeah, Yeah, Man. that's, that's the, main, the main gig. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out all your side gigs instead of the main gig. <laughs> um, you did not get a Powerade bath yesterday. We were talking to Andy about his. Uh, maybe next year we'll get you one. Maybe maybe UCF will invite you to do like be their guest uh, coach. I doubt it. They don't even fulfill like <laughs> some, ba some basic interview requests I send their way. Apparently, being an alumnus doesn't really carry a whole lot of weight. I don't know. Um, talk to us about what you saw yesterday out of the spring game, and let's just start from the top. Talk to us about the quarterbacks and what you saw there. Uh, first off, I want to say hi to Richie. I feel like we're we're bros, but we've never actually like talked before. We just tweet at each other all the time, and, and I'm a big fan of Richie's beard as well. So, hey, Richie, he how's did... it going, Brandon? Like, glad <laughs> to have you here, man. I, like you said, I feel like we interact on the timeline all the time, but we've never had you on here before. Yeah, it, it, apparently around the New Year's, like the Twitter did this thing where it's like you're like people you interact with the most in your main circle, like the, the, this algorithm thing, and and Richie was in mine, and I think vice versa. And I was like, wow. I, I need to interact with more people, I guess. <laughs> Two Orlando guys, you know, who enjoy talking Florida State football. So it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, so yeah, the spring game. Um, I went, I will be honest, I went into yesterday's spring game with this sense of uh shocking that I'm gonna say that I was a little TJ will be shocked that I said I was a little anxious, but I did have this feeling of Oh man, they have all these recruits coming, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But but they did a really great job, kind of working around the system and and allowing uh, recruits or or fans into the stadium. Uh, and it was an amazing accumulation of talent. And I was worried that they were going to have all these great players show up. It was all this hype. You could feel the buzz like as the day was going on. Um, there was the weather and stuff, and it became clear like they were going to actually play the game. All the recruits are showing up. And I start thinking, like, they have not looked very good the last couple times I've, I've seen them in practice. 
uh, what if they kind of put up a dud here and it's just kind of boring and the offense doesn't do anything and, and just is kind of middling product. Uh, but that isn't what happened. It was it was fun. Uh, McKenzie Milton and Jordan Travis both took turns making some big plays down the field. There are some good highlight reel catches uh, from young receivers like uh, like Malik McLean, uh, Joshua Burrell. Uh, and then the defense played well in spurts too. So it was like what you want to see from a spring game, guys. Like I don't want to take too much away from it, but it was entertaining. It was a good product. There are things to, to certainly feel, I guess, if you're a Florida, Florida State fan, I feel good about moving forward. Yeah, and I think one of the smartest things Mike Norvell did this spring was opening the scrimmages to the public because, as you noted, that allows recruits to come and they can't really go anywhere else. And we had a lot of big names in Tallahassee. Um, obviously, Travis Hunter, we'll get to him in a second, but another headliner, uh, quarterback commit, Nico Marchio. Um, he was in town, but he wasn't the only quarterback in town. We had uh, AJ Duffy and MJ Morris also in town, two other four-star quarterbacks. Uh, I believe we only have one spot left at quarterback. What's the takeaway from uh, Duffy and Morris? And do they do either one feel pressured to maybe secure their spot before the other one takes it? There is certainly a little bit of musical chairs going on there. And that is kind of how quarterback recruiting in general works usually. And, and Josh Newberg on, on, on the bench talks about this a lot. It's, it's domino effects so dominoes and musical chairs all kind of games that are played with quarterback recruiting but yeah there is this this window uh, and I think so I think AJ Duffy told us that he's looking to make a decision in the next I want to say three weeks and then MJ Morris by the end of May so we're talking about I mean both their their timelines are getting moved up here a little bit now AJ Duffy still has one more visit planned I believe to Michigan State he's already seen Arizona State which is kind of considered the clubhouse leader but uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It was kind of cool to have all three quarterbacks there on campus at the same time. Uh, one dynamic that I noticed from when I was downstairs and I helped out a little bit with the recruiting guys, uh, just basically tried to corral the recruits because there were so many that uh, Zach Blosting kind of stepped up or set up all this. Uh, this really again, like maybe 40, 50 recruits in one area with Travis Hunter and Nico Mark. You'll kind of be in the, the headliners. But uh, you would think like, hey, Nico is – being protective of his spot as the, the singular quarterback in this class right now wouldn't be super like warm and, and gracious to, to the other quarterbacks being there. That wasn't the case at all. AJ Duffy shows up. Nico Marchio goes, finds him. I think was probably texting with him, finds him, brings him over to the group of all the other big time players that were there, including Travis Hunter and kind of introduces him to everyone was like legitimately excited to see him. That was a really cool dynamic. That's something that stuck with me. And, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't have the juice that like Josh or Zach have with, with recruiting stuff. That's not my main gig. Uh, but just seeing that interaction made me think like, okay, like, like Nico's definitely being warm and embracing of, of AJ Duffy. And I think that would probably go a long way of, of establishing that relationship and that dynamic. So if I had to pick right now, I, I would think of the two, whether it's MJ Morris, or AJ Duffy, especially since AJ is committing first, I, I think there's a good chance that it would be AJ Duffy right now uh, would, would be kind of my, my guest uh, prediction. And it's funny, man. I'm not sure. And I know Travis Hunter loves Florida State and loves Tallahassee. I'm not sure there's a recruit uh, in the country that loves Tallahassee more than Nico Marchio does right now. You know, when I was scrolling through the timeline this morning, it was just a bunch of like random Florida State fans I follow with pictures with Nico. So I, I know he was just making his way around Tallahassee, big time celebrity. I know TJ got him to do the chop at the baseball game a few weeks ago. That that kid just loves Tallahassee, and he keeps coming back. I, I he must be a platinum flyer on whatever airline he chooses. And he's going to keep coming back. Apparently, like he, we got him on the bench. Uh, Zach did a one on one with with Nico last week, and uh, not to do a shameless plug, but shameless plug. Like, dude, please check it out. Like for your listeners, they do want to listen to it because it was really insightful. Like it wasn't just this boring 
kind of cookie cutter interview. Nico Marco did break some some news for different things and, and was one like really, really thoughtful for for anyone, but especially like for a teenager. And you kind of understand why he is becoming the bell cow of this class because he is really passionate about Florida State and especially the coaching staff with, with Mike Norvell and his relationship with Kenny Dillingham. Uh, and and also just he's, he's just very mature. Uh, but he said he said, Richie, that, that he was planning on or, or at least toying around with the idea of is where the frequent flyer miles come in of coming to Tallahassee for multiple official visits, not his official visits because he can only take one technically, but just to kind of show up in Tallahassee, be at Florida State when there's other uh, official visit weekends, just to kind of do what like he did this weekend, which is play an unofficial host to other recruits. It's really cool. It's really hands-on. Uh, comparatively, like last year, Luke Altmeyer, and, and there was some uh, limitations with with the pandemic being kind of raging at, at that point, but Luke Altmeyer being the quarterback commitment was at Ole Miss like three times, never really went to Florida State after his first visit. And and I know the staff really would have wished that Luke would have been much more vocal. Uh, so to have a quarterback who is showing up in person over and over again and then being a really good uh, face for the recruiting class, uh, that's going to have a substantial value, in my opinion, now and, and down the road as well. Yeah, it's definitely, like I said, he, that kid just loves Tallahassee. Um, but Florida State, you know, spring games, typically uh, you get a lot of commits that I a lot, I mean, no three, four, five, but it's a little different because I know the players technically were not allowed to meet with Coach Norvell um, or any of the staff for that matter since they're just technically fans. But we did get one commit, uh, running back Rodney Hill from Statesboro, Georgia, 42nd ranked player in Georgia, 493 overall in the 247 composite. Um, I know anytime Florida State gets a commit, you could typically, uh, you know, show five plays that fans should get really excited about. Have you had a chance to do that with him yet? Um, yeah. And if not, what can you tell us about him? Because it's, you know, he was the one person that did pop this weekend. Yeah, so, so far, and I don't mean it's Sunday night here. I don't expect any more right now. There may be some dominoes that kind of fall like in the next week or so. Uh, we'll, we'll see, or maybe even the next month or so that guys who are like on campus. But yeah, Rodney's the the lone one and, and he shows up to campus basically with the the uh, predetermined to to commit, I think is kind of what what he had envisioned because he was at Virginia. At the, I want to say he was visiting. He was a Virginia commitment, and I, I may be wrong on this, but I'm fairly certain he was at Virginia when he decommitted from Virginia, which is <laughs> which is something. Must not have been that much uh, fun of a visit. Uh, but but so yeah. So Roddy Hill to me is he's a really nice take. He is a little bit lower ranked than I think maybe some of the stargazers out there would like. He, if you said. Uh, Richie, that he, he's he's a top 500 prospect nationally, three stars. It's kind of tough to evaluate his film because he's at a small school in Statesboro, Georgia, like like really small, like like private school, like in a private conference. Uh, and he just beats up on, on these other kids, uh, which is exactly what you want a, a Florida State caliber player to do. So I, I think that's encouraging, but it's just kind of tough to tell like just how fast he is, just how explosive he is. But I do like that he's really versatile. They like him as a running back, but he does some work as a wide receiver as well, where he does a really nice job tracking the ball downfield, making some athletic catches. He contributes on special teams as a returner. He plays a little bit of cornerback for them as well, but but he's a really good runner, very elusive, uh, but powerful too, and, and patient as a runner. So you see a lot of good skills there. They're very high on him. I, I could honestly see him, see him as someone who, who finds a way to kind of crack into the running back rotation by like his second year at Florida State. So FSU really likes him. I think that's going to allow them to be a little bit more choosy in who they pick for their other running back in this class as well. So he has extra value there. Uh, yeah, I like him. It's a really good take for them. And 
and especially after they didn't have a freshman running back in, in the 2021 class, to go ahead and secure one at this point in the process is, is really good for them. Yeah, and, and you know we don't really get into recruiting too much on this podcast, but I feel like Travis Hunter is someone we mention every week. So I don't have a question for you. This is just our Travis Hunter appreciation moment. Yeah. Um, but looking ahead to 2023, we had four five-stars on campus in the 2023 class, and we don't have to get into the individuals, but is Coach Norvell finally – getting close to a level playing ground. Obviously when he came in, you know, before his spring even really got going, that all the on-campus visits were shut down. So he was already playing from behind being mm -hmm. in a new state, a new region. But now it seems like he's getting momentum with these 2022 kids and 2023. So has that playing field leveled out a little bit for Norvell and his coaching staff? For sure. I think that's a really good way to put it, a level playing field. So he comes to, to Tallahassee, like you said, and it's such a big jump because this wasn't like a, this wasn't like, say, Dan Mullen, who was already in the SEC and had coached at Florida uh, when he goes to Florida. Mike Norvell had coached you know, out in Arizona State, and then he was officer coordinator there, and then he's the head coach at Memphis. Uh, so it's a different level. You know, it's, it's a group of five, even though a good group of five program going up to Power Five. And at Memphis, they didn't have to dip into Florida a whole lot. They did occasionally, but really they, they lived on kind of junior colleges and guys in, in Mississippi and Tennessee, a little bit of Alabama. So uh, this was all new to kind of go into Florida State where you where the best Florida State teams typically pull from South Florida in addition to supplementary, supplementary areas as well. But you have to have a South Florida presence. He didn't really have that. Uh, tries to go in, in a, and didn't hire a, a staff that like had that a ton of that either other than Ron Dugas and Odell Hagan's having some of that already. Uh, they didn't have a bunch of South Florida uh, alpha dog recruiters, um, which, which you need there. So that created a little bit of a disadvantage, but one that they were going to work really diligently to try to, to fix by getting coaches out to doing these clinics with, with high school coaches, having spring practices open and establishing relationships. Well, then, you know, COVID happens and shuts everything down and, and you're having to do all this recruiting and, and more so importantly, like, like relationship building from the ground up uh, remotely over Zoom, over phone calls, FaceTime. So that was really difficult. Uh now, now a year into this, like you guys, I think you set this up earlier. Well, it was that players aren't allowed to, to visit campuses during this for like a, a full year now. Uh, you've been able to go unofficially, but you've been able to go and do behind the scenes uh, campus visits with coaches there and, and hosting guys technically. So uh, it's been a full year of, of uh, everyone kind of having that same even playing field. And so what that done is, you know, guys who are now 2022, 2023 prospects, a lot of them haven't gone anywhere before, maybe one or two other campuses rather than, you know, last year's class, like had already probably been to, to a bunch of different places. Uh, so now with that in mind, like, yeah, you, you've been able to do the FaceTime like how everyone else has. There's not really a heads up or, or, or uh, an advantage, I guess, uh, that other schools have innately like built in for Florida State or over Florida State. So, yeah, they've done a really good job at building relationships and that and that even playing field is starting to kind of show like, OK, uh, they have some legitimate juice uh, on the recruiting trail because they've done a really good job of communicating and, and selling their vision remotely uh, and then getting guys to creatively get to campus. That's been icing on the cake and it's starting to kind of show with 2022 where it's a top 10 recruiting class. 2023 could has the potential. Like you said, Richie, there's, there's a handful of blue chip kids from that class uh, on campus recently. I think that has a chance to be a really special one too. We uh, have talked about that and talked about, how well Norvell has, how good of a job Norvell has done in getting people to to buy in, whether that be transfers. We talked with Andy a lot about 
McKenzie and Jermaine Johnson and some of the other guys that have come in and then also, you know, top recruits. What we have also talked about is that we've got to win for them to stick, right? Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how much of this clock you can love. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not calling on anybody specifically, but you can love Tallahassee. You can love Mike Norvell all you want. If we go three and nine this year, it's not going to be pretty at the end of it. Now, I'm not predicting a three and nine season, but I do think it's going to be a struggle to get to a bowl game and a struggle to do anything much more than a bowl game. And so, um, something that we've got to do is win a big proponent in that is potentially McKenzie Milton. We talked about him on Friday night, not knowing how ready he was. What were your immediate thoughts after the game on McKenzie Milton? Yeah. I remember guys like Willie Taggart had a top 10 class going into that Virginia tech game. Um, And then, Oh, dust in the wind. Uh, You have to, you have to win to sell your vision. It only goes so far. I do think that they have, I think this like like the expectations are different. Like it wasn't like Willie Taggart saying, "Hey, we're just we're gonna just paint some you know slap some paint on this, and, and this jalopy is gonna turn into a Ford Mustang all of a sudden." Uh, that's what Willie said. And that obviously didn't happen. Norvell's been a little bit more realistic, and like this is the climb, this is a build, not setting the timeline of, of expectations. So I think six and six is kind of uh, what I've been harping on the last couple of weeks. So if you can get to six and six and stay in that range. I think most of the guys who are currently bought in will say, hey, that's improvement. Norvell's getting his guys in there. We want to be coached by him. We like that there's some growth from from where this this was, which is rock bottom. Uh, so, yeah, so I think that's what you got to do to get there is, is around six and six. And I have a hard time envisioning TJ, this team, getting to that 500 sweet spot if McKenzie Milton isn't a, a big, big part of that, a, a big component of that. He – I mean, he transfers to Florida State for a reason, right? It's it's to revitalize his career, to have a chance to be a starting quarterback in an offense that you know he has immense respect for with Mike Norvell, uh, and and FSU brings him in for that reason as well because they think he could run this offense. They think because of his maturity, his leadership, but also just his his quick his quick trigger, his precision as a passer. They think all those things play very well in, in Mike Norvell's RPO game. Now. Mackenzie Milton arrives here. Remember, he hasn't played in in two years. He did scout team stuff at, at UCF, but that's not not the same as as being QB one or QB two at Florida State and and, and practicing extensively with with a ton of reps. Uh, so he has a little bit of rust early on at, at spring. I think he admits that himself, and really more so like just uh, trying to grasp the offense and knowing innately and, and just he calls it like naturally knowing where to go and making it second nature. Just you could tell the wheels are spinning there when he's throwing the ball. It's not decisive. It's not with oomph. Uh, now, Thursday, this past Thursday rolls around. I didn't think he had a very good day. Now, he wasn't helped out by his wide receivers, not getting separation and, and dropping passes. Uh, but Mike Norville comes out and says that was probably his best practice of the spring. So shows what I know as, as far as an evaluator. Uh, but regardless, McKenzie Milton comes out on Saturday in the spring game and just lights it up. He was uh, – that first drive uh, on that third and seven outside of Jay Sean Corbin coming out uh, on the little flat pattern there. Uh, and that was, that was nice. It was a nice throw outside where only Jay Sean can get it. He just the ball to the ball. Well, and, and then later on he's in third and long third and 17 and just drops a dime down the sideline to Malik McLean. McLean has to go and dive for it. He's covered very well, but he puts the ball where only his guy can get it. Knows what he has. And Malik McLean has the awareness. No, this is a big tall guy. I'm throwing the ball to, uh, Malik makes the catch, and then the very next play does that little low and away uh, pass off the corner pattern outside to Brian Robinson. Again, a beautiful throw. So three really good throws on that drive, and then he has the one 
a uh, drive or two later to Joshua Burrell down the seam, which was probably the best pass of the game, if not the entire spring for like anyone. He was really good. He looked sharp. He showed the ability to scramble. And I think more so than anything, guys, like he was decisive. He was decisive where he went with the ball. Uh, don't tell me, like, you, you guys both got excited when you saw him make those shots, right? Like that was that was fun. That was encouraging and uh, has to make you feel kind of good going, going into the summer now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's he's kind of the hope. I mean, the schedule splits up into like three different sections for me. There's three games that I just do not see a way in hell that we're winning, right? Like I don't see us – anything can happen. I talked about this last week um, with – I don't even remember who. I talked about this last week with somebody. But, you know – I've got so many podcast guests and so many I, podcasts. I just uh, – Andy Staples wrote a 2,000-word story about the big three roll-up. I don't remember right. if this was somebody in real life or not. But anyway, when we came out of that 2018 or that 2017 season, um, we, I mean, we beat the hell out of Florida that year. And they were bad too. And so like 2018 rolls around and, and you'd have at least said like, hey, we're going to beat Florida, right? Like Florida, is a, that's a win. And so I look at that Florida game now and I say like, well, they're going to beat us. But like, who knows? Maybe Milton comes in and shines. Maybe Emory's not the answer. Maybe they've got more turn. Maybe Grantham go slides far. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah, Florida, yeah. But like I see, I see three for sure for sure losses, and that's Notre Dame, Florida, and Clemson. And then I see three games that are toss ups, right? I see Miami, North Carolina. Actually, those are the other two toss ups that I see. Like probable loss toss ups is, is kind of how I'll say it. Like okay. we're gonna be we're gonna be dogs in both of those, and then the rest of those aren't toss ups. Yeah, <laughs> I said it. I said it wrong. Those two are like probable losses that you could maybe steal. They're not sure losses, right? Like the other right. three. Right. You like Clemson, you're, Clemson, you're saying there's there's right. no way in hell. There's, there's a couple of like auto wins. I think that's Jacksonville State, UMass, and probably Syracuse. And then the, the last couple are Wake Forest, um, NC State, and Boston College. And I, I think those could go either way. And so mm-hmm. essentially what you're saying is if you lose the games, you're going to lose for sure. You win the three, you have to. You basically need to win two of the toss-ups because you're never going to go 100% in your 500 games. You need to you need to beat two of those three out of NC State, Wake, and BC, and then you got to upset somebody, right? You got to upset North Carolina again, or you got to upset Miami, or you got to upset Notre Dame, you got to upset Florida. Clemson is obviously not happening, and that's just to get to six and six. Mm-hmm. Like you could have a you could do pretty decent at all those toss-up games, and you're going to be a dog five times. Like Florida State will be an underdog at least five times this year. So they're going to have to upset a couple of teams to make a bowl. Mm-hmm. Thinking, well, with Milton being decisive and making good throws and coming in and being fluid and looking like he knows the offense, maybe those toss-up games get a little bit easier. Maybe they're not such toss-ups. Maybe you go into Wake Forest and say, like, yeah, this is a game we're going to win, um, whereas Wake's been a toss-up the last couple of years. Maybe not. I mean, but we'll see. But that's kind of the hope, right? What about the other side of the quarterback battle? What were your thoughts on Jordan Travis? I thought he looked good too. He's looked pretty consistent all spring, honestly. Uh, the 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 throws that he's making and he's attempting are ones I don't think he, he necessarily does a year ago. Uh, the throw and it, it was not a, a probably the throw that you want him making, but rolling right on third and long and and throwing a cross body uh, to oh. to Cam McDonald going down the, the other side of the the field there. Uh, it's not the, not a the throw that you like coach your quarterback to to make, but. You know, sometimes it's third and long. You got to try to make a play. He makes a play. The fact he's able to kind of stick it in there and make the pass with the velocity that he does. I was, I was like, oh, what's what's this here? But he's done that a couple times now this spring where I'm like, hey, I did not see that last year consistently. And he 
he channels that much more often now, and that's really good to see. I think the competition between him and McKenzie Milton has been really good uh, for both of them, frankly, but it's really helped Jordan continue to dial in, continue to be competitive. Ideally, this is an ideal world. McKenzie Milton is your quarterback one, but Jordan Travis gives you the ability to give him like 10 to, to 20 snaps a game, whether it's at quarterback, whether it's at slot receiver, whether it's two guys that, you know, both of them in the backfield at the same time, McKenzie Milton and Jordan Travis. I don't, I don't know. There, there's a creative coach can be creative with, with Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis is easy for me to see Jordan Travis's athleticism. Uh, and, and especially uh, with the arm strength that he's now starting to show more consistently, uh, Jordan's been good. Like so, right now, if I were to pick a starting quarterback, uh, McKenzie Milton, I'm trying not to be a, a prisoner of the moment for the last like practice and a half or so that we see them, especially the spring game. But I, I think leaving the spring, Jordan Travis still deserves to take the first snap when preseason camp arrives. Now, what happens after that? What happens in preseason camp if McKenzie Milton continues to be a gamer and, and does well in scrimmages and? and elevates and becomes more consistent in, in practice, then, then yeah, I think it's McKenzie Milton's job. I think that's where, again, that's the ideal situation for all parties involved. Uh, maybe Jordan wouldn't see it that way immediately, but I think even long-term for him to get a season of of being the gadget guy with with the ability to then continue to hone his skills as a passer and then be the guy that the year after McKenzie Milton leaves, like that, that would be really good for Jordan Travis. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's kind of where I stand right now with, with the quarterback battle. Uh, Jordan Travis was impressive on Saturday. I thought he was good, and he continues to – I've been impressed with him, guys, throughout the entire spring is what I'm trying to say. He's, he's shown glimpses of, of being consistent and, and being more dynamic with his arm, in addition to doing things with the legs we already know. He's, he's done that all spring. It's, it's been impressive. Yeah, I, I think we've all been impressed with him really throughout his time here, stepping in and, and doing some good things even last year during the season – the the problem is if you have to rely on him the whole year, does he get hurt? You yeah. know, again, like can he can he stay healthy? But what you mentioned, yeah, using him as that to spell, not that you really need a spell quarterback, but like just to kind of a change of pace, like Florida did with Jones this year. Although I think that uh, I'm not gonna say he's a better thrower than Jones is right now, because Jones is obviously gonna be their starter this year, but yeah, I, he might be close. Like I think Norvell is gonna have more trust in him to go out. Every time Jones came in the game last year, you knew Florida was running the ball. Like Jones threw the ball like four times when it wasn't like late end of game, you know, Florida's mm-hmm. up by 50 type situations. When they brought Jones in, in the second quarter, he was running it every single time. Um, and I don't know if that would be the case. I think Norvell would let Travis throw it a little bit because mm-hmm. it's not so, so predictable. So yeah, I think it'd, it'd be interesting to see. Um, that's all I've got football wise. Rich, you got anything else before I make this real weird or no? Mm-mm. No, I, I was just disappointed in, in both of you guys, obviously, because, you know, I was in a wedding on Friday and the best man brought a budget bourbon from oh. Louisville, from Louisville. A he budget got it just outside of Churchill like thousands of miles away that we can't get. But go and I, I sent it out and I'm asking the two people that are the experts on bourbon and neither one of you knew what I was talking about. So I was just disappointed with you both in that situation. What was the what was the bourbon? What was it? I'll go I'll go pull it up again real quick because it, it was actually really good. And he said it was only like thirty dollars, uh, but it said it's from the same uh, mash as Pappy uh, is in. So it was Uh-oh. David Nicholson eighteen. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, we didn't know that today, did we? Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I would try it. I mean, I would try anything. 
you know. Oh, that's right. We tried to get Richie to give us a free sample. Are we getting and it? He, he left us on. He left, oh, us the, on, he left us the, on red. Mm-hmm. The groom's father definitely topped that off. So there is no more left. If, if that uh, well, you know, weddings are poor. <laughs> so what are you drinking tonight, Brennan? Uh, I have a glass poured ready to go. And look at this. Oh, look at that glass on, on a budget. Hold on. Look at that. That is beautiful. Hold it up again. Hold it up again. All right. All right. Very nice. Uh, I made you full you. screen. It's beautiful. Uh, what I've, been did you let, I've been letting it. I've been letting it's a Maker's Mark uh, private cask or cask select from from a uh, a store down in Orlando that I got a couple of years ago. I'm trying to kill the bottle. I'm using that to to try to enhance the. Uh, I, I poured that tonight, TJ, to enhance the uh, the yellow corn or mellow corn or whatever that nasty swill is that will will drop in a, in a week or so. We're trying to fix a a nasty whiskey. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna try this really spicy weeded bourbon to see what it does. So TBD. Oh, on that. you mixed it. You mixed that. No, it. This what I have here is not mixed. I want to enjoy this tonight. What I did was I poured it in. I got it going. I'm letting it blend. I'm letting magic happen. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. I'm not. I'm not super optimistic. Tell us quickly about. I plugged it a couple of times on here, but tell us about your three podcasts that you're on. Kind of give yourself <laughs> some, pl- some plugs, but I'll let you plug right. yourself a little bit here. While well, I, while you're I, on. I, I have to start. Thank you. I'll plug myself. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, I will start <laughs> off with on the bench uh, because that is the one that, that helps pay the bill the bills. Although, if you guys have any sponsor, yeah, anyone wants to sponsor that one, let me. We're know. probably not giving those up. Like if they're in this market, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying like maybe Guthrie's wants to like. <laughs> Sponsor two different podcasts. I like chicken tenders. I like fries. I don't like slaw. So it seems to me that inherently would be a really good fit. Uh, but yeah, on the bench, it's those 24 sevens podcast. We have fun there. Like we drop scoop and news and information, but ultimately like, we want it to be kind of fun and, and different. And I think it is. Uh, and it's myself, Josh Newber, Chris Nee, Zach Blaustein. We kind of rotate that up sometimes, but yeah, please check that out. Cause that is a lot of fun. And, and it's one that it's been a work in progress for a long time, three years or so now. And I, and I think we've kind of hit our stride. Uh, the worst stock show. I always want to say the worst stock podcast. It should be the worst stock podcast, but it's the worst stock show. That was Newberg's uh, idea. And it's basically just Josh Newberg and I kind of BSing about stocks and, and losing money, making money, uh, having fun. It, it, essentially, we have like that conversation on the phone every morning anyways for like 20 minutes. So we said, hey, might as well roll uh, roll the recorder there and and do that. And then finally, one more time. Bourbon on a budget. So I have more podcasts on the big three roll-up network than I do on the 24-7 sports network. Shh, don't tell anyone, though. Well, I, have a, I have a quick question for you. First of all, I know you referenced that uh, Nico Marchio interview, and I did listen to that. And it, for the listeners here, definitely go back and check that out. He is far more mature and polished than I ever was as a high school junior. So that, it's that was amazing. Impressive. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, but I, I do have a question because I feel like this is kind of me. Sometimes we're doing a podcast and I'm like just dragging along and then I get a chance to talk about Florida State basketball and I just get super excited. Is Chris mm-hmm. Nee really that excited when he just goes from just being miserable to giving him that minute to talk about basketball to see him just perk up? Yeah, we play it up a little bit too. Like Dirty Little Secrets, I actually love basketball. Uh, that's my favorite sport, but like I don't cover FSU basketball just because we don't need multiple people covering covering FSU basketball like the the, the needle mover is, is football uh so that's kind of how like that that angst on my end turned into it was like Chris we don't need to spend you know so many hours with all this resource and allocation and go into that uh but Chris will not budge from loving FSU hoops and and he will be the one covering it and 
he legitimately like we'll be talking about like pre-show we'll be talking about stuff what we're going to be talking about on the show and and just different like recruiting information that they have that they want to share maybe don't want to share and trying to do plan like we can talk about can't talk about and then chris starts talking about hoops and he doesn't stop talking about hoops and Josh and I are just kind of like looking around and, and yeah, so he loves it. It's legitimately a passion for him. He has a, uh, you know, when, when they're doing well, he's happy when they're doing poor, he, he is arms folded, Chris knee. So yeah, man, it's, it, it, he legitimately loves it. Uh, and uh, I think if he had the platform to talk about it more, he, he, he would not mind uh, getting more than like two or three minutes. I allocate to him sometimes. <laughs> You're uh I only give Richie one minute to talk about who. So here Good. That, do you follow the metrics, TJ? Cause like when, when he started now it's been different, like in all fairness, when we started like this running gig, like, or gag that like, Hey, like don't talk about hoops for more than like a minute or two. Uh, we would see the metrics on our podcast. Like when we started talking about hoops, like it would legitimately start going down. Like people would That's check out. Um, so that was also one of the reasons why I was like, we don't need to be losing, especially early on. We were trying to build an audience, Like we don't need to be, alienating like 70 percent of it probably not the best idea we're live now i get the live numbers as we're on i mean i can see that we've dropped we've dropped about half of the our listeners from where it was with, with just when ricky no for, uh, <laughs> from from where it was when we started talking basketball like a three yeah, minutes man. ago so like that's just richie you're never allowed again thanks, no, thanks we, have fun, we, have, we have fun with basketball but you know football definitely is the needle mover like yeah. i'll have the most fun like interviewing legitimately like active FSU head coaches and they'll like be the best interviews ever. And then like, nobody read, you know, I'm just like, everybody wants to know about football, but yeah. I mean, I, whatever, like I have fun with it. So I don't really care. You know, I was <laughs> legitimately like jealous that, that Richie took at, at a previous uh, podcast that he was a part of. I don't know if I can mention or not. Like it's like an extra sure. friend. Yeah. Yeah. Trey Roland fans. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we are. Uh, and Richie did, they turned it into the basketball minute and I was like, damn it. That's such a good idea. Like, that's essentially what we were doing with Chris was making him rush and timing him, uh, but just not like making it a, a segment. So uh, mm, the, the creativity, yeah, the creativity <laughs> on your guys that was, was good job. But like, that's, that was legitimately like bummed out that, that I didn't think of it and then have something to maybe try to sponsor. But you know, that's we should, uh, Next year, we should have like competing basketball minutes between Richie and me. Like, just to, I mean, you guys is like following if Abby's like so much bigger. So, if like if it ever goes to a vote, like it's not going to come out pretty, but like they would be kind of fun <laughs> um, like, to see like who did better with stuff. Well, Richie could keep it under a minute. The thing is, Chris, <laughs> Chris would lose points. And that was like we were like at a scoring system, he'd be penalized for going over because there's no way he's containing it to one minute. It's just not going to happen. Classic. Um, <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight, Rich. You got for anything sure. before we get out of here? No, it's uh, good to finally meet you via StreamYard in our COVID. <laughs> hey, this don't is, plug them. We pay we pay them oh. every month to not have to not have to say their name. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, well, you can like, that out, TJ. No, no, I'm not. I'm not Zoom esque. Oh, I just mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't pay them though, so it's okay. Um, Brendan Sonone of Knowles Two Four Seven. You guys go check him out sure you guys will have a bunch up um, for the spring game. I saw a bunch of pictures and different things that you guys had going on there. And then stay tuned there. We don't get as deep into the recruiting. Um, kind of mentioned it here and there. Obviously brought it up this week because it was a big recruiting weekend. We talk, around, talk about it around signing day, and then we'll probably talk about it in December again. So if you guys want to get more into all that recruiting news, uh, go follow the guys at Knowles 247. Brendan Sinone. Is it B. Sinone 247? 
if I remember uh, correctly. At, at B Sinone, B S O N N O N E, and that's it. No 247 in there. I'm a lone wolf. So go follow those guys uh, and check out Knowles 247 for all your recruiting news. Brendan, we don't have a show that we don't have a bourbon on a budget this week, but I will see you this week at some point. We'll talk. I'm so. sure. All right. Thanks for having me on. This was fun, guys. Take care. Thanks, thanks buddy. Thanks, Brendan. Brendan Sinone of Knowles 247 and on the bench and the worst stock show and bourbon on a budget. So uh, he plugged all those things. But if you're a bourbon drinker, you like whiskey at all, go check out bourbon on a budget. It's a podcast I did with him and Ben Cock, high school buddy of mine, where we break down bourbon and do a different review every week. It's a lot of fun. So uh, we do have a show coming out this week. We're just not recording one this week. We're a couple of episodes ahead and we want to catch back up to more live time. So Anyway, Richie, let me change his view a little bit. Let's get this a little more zoomed in here. Um, we've been on here for a little over an hour, so we'll wrap up. But tell me your quick takeaway on the spring game. Um, you watched it twice. I only caught it once. but So I'll hear your quick thoughts, and then we'll wrap up some FSU sports around the horn, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, I basically only watched it once because when I watched it live yesterday, it was after the post-wedding brunch where I had uh, more than a few Bloody Marys. So that's why I wanted to get up early this morning to rewatch it. Um, but I thought, you know, it's again, it's tough to take away too much from a spring game. Uh, I did think, you know, my biggest takeaway was Mike Norville hit it out of the park in the transfer portal this year. Uh, Mackenzie Milton, Jermaine Johnson looked untouchable. Jamie Robinson looked great. Um, you know, we had some other guys that came out there two freshmen that I, I thought looked great. Um, Kevin Knowles, the defensive back, he, he was not very uh, highly heralded coming out of high school, but, you know, he picked off uh, Rotomaker on the one play, and it, it wasn't the smartest throw, but it was also an outstanding play by Knowles. Uh, then Malik McLean, McLean, excuse me, super excited about him. You know, I, I saw his high school tape, looked good, but he looked like he was outstanding out there yesterday. He could be a big-time playmaker in a room where we need one because we're not sure what we have. Um, and then, you know, another thing, uh, and, you know, people were joking about it on the timeline, and I don't want to get negative, but I did not see a whole lot of NFL bodies uh, based on what I saw on TV. Obviously, it's different and you're there in person, but that doesn't mean this can't be a really solid college football team. But it's clear that this roster is under overhaul. We just talked about it with Brendan. The 2022 class is off to a hot start. 2023 could be outstanding as well. So if we can get the most out of these guys, whether that be six, seven wins and rebuild that roster, I think that's what will be huge. Because again, I, I didn't see a lot of players out there. You know, they had the NFL draft analyst of the head of the senior bowl on there. They said, hey, get give me a name to look at for the next year's draft class on this Florida State roster. And I think he said Emmett Rice. Um, and nothing against Emmett Rice. I'm glad to have him back. I think he's a, he's a very quality college player, but that's not who you'd want to hear as the, the most NFL ready guy. Yeah. Um, they looked more disciplined. They, they look like they're starting to buy in a little bit. Again, it's a spring game. Everyone's having fun. You don't really know, but overall I came away with more positives than negatives at the, from the game. Uh, and I'm excited to hear what this team looks like, you know, what going through the summer and fall camp. And I, I'm pretty sure we'll both be in Tallahassee for that Notre Dame game. Can't wait for it for sure. A couple questions we got on here. Um, Christian Suero said that he's absolutely a better passer than Jones. I think I buy that as well. Jones looked pretty good when he got into that Oklahoma game. So I don't know. I, I'd like to see Jones a little bit more this year, but I, I think I'll buy that. I think, I definitely stand by the fact that I think Norvell will be more comfortable with um, with Travis passing than Mullen was with Emory. 
some of that factored in is the fact that Trask was such a superior passer to Jones and that yeah. uh, Jordan Travis had played an entire season. Um, and so he'd have some more comfortability there, but I'll, I'll believe you Christian. Like I'll take yeah. your side on that one. And, and I think the guy's a clown, but Dan Mullen knows what he's doing with the quarterbacks. So I think the development for Jones will, will be there. Uh, but yeah, right now, if you got to say uh, we're playing this weekend and I either have to have Emory Jones or Jordan Travis, I'm taking Jordan Travis for sure. Fully healthy, I think I would as well. Um, another question real quick from Hunter. Hunter asked if Travis would be willing to play another position if he got beat out by Milton. I don't think so. I think that just like Brendan talked about, splitting him out um, or bringing him in um, in spots to get 10 to 15 snaps, uh, 10 to 15 is a lot, 5 to 10 snaps a game uh, would be the way that they play that. Get, maybe give him a series here and there, maybe have him spell Milton, and then he is the guy if Milton goes down. But, yeah, I don't I don't think him transferring to another position would really be ideal. Now, if, if, if he fell down to – well, see, even now, even with that, I wouldn't do it. I was going to say, if he fell down like third on the roster, you know, behind Purdy too – then maybe you would, but like still, you you know, if, if Milton goes down, you still you could, or if Purdy is your second string, you could still use Travis as kind of that gadget guy. So I think he'd be close enough to where I still don't think he would. I think he'd get still get burned at quarterback, and I don't know that there's a position he could transfer to that he would be able to go in and, and make an impact like that. Like I don't I don't know what his hands look like, but that's really the only position I can imagine, um, other than just kind of making him an age back and, and rolling. But yeah, I don't I don't think so on that one. Um, because I think you can still use him at QB, whether Milton's a starter or not, which I, it seems to be the trend of the thought here. I mean, Jordan Travis looked fantastic, but it's almost like if Milton has the next five months to get ready, you know, we'll probably see him uh, starting that Notre Dame game. If that's the case, I think we have a better chance of winning. But um, you know, if not, if Jordan beats him out, then Jordan's obviously done some pretty impressive things to 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 keep and retain that job. So, um. Florida State Sports, real quick before we get going. Softball swept their series against Duke. Um, Beach Volleyball lost their first game of the weekend uh, to FIU uh, and then won the last two against number 17, Stetson and UNF. Both of those 5-0 sweeps. Baseball lost a tough one on Friday night by one run. They won on Saturday. Uh, and then they lost their order match today against Louisville. Louisville, number seven in the country. Florida State. Competed tough, but couldn't get the series victory in that one. And then a massive shout-out to um, FSU's women's tennis team. I know I'm skipping some sports, but these were the big three that I came away with. FSU's women's tennis team uh, defeated Miami on senior day. The uh, score was tied 3-3. Three to three. And the last match, Richie, are you familiar with, with tennis scoring and everything? I don't have to explain the whole thing to you. I, I know uh – one-on-one tennis scoring. I don't know how these team matches scoring works in college. Essentially every match is worth a point or like every, like, like, so if me and you are one competition and then, you know, Andy and Brendan are the next one. Like if I win and Andy wins, if we're on the same team, we're up to to nothing. So anyway, um, Florida state was down or it was tied three to three overall, but the last match they were down two to five. So if they'd have lost any of the next four games, They'd have lost the match. They came back and won four in a row, won the title, won nice. four to three against Miami on senior day. I had tickets. To, Coach Hyde was gracious enough to put me on the list to go to that game, and the weather rained me out. So I didn't end up going. They moved it inside, but I'll have to make one next year. They're wrapping up. Their season's almost finished up. So shout out to Coach Hyde. 
in the FSU women's tennis program. Great win on senior day. They got a couple more, and then the playoffs get started. Um, so a bunch of other FSU sports. I know the Masters was this weekend. Richie's texting me that he's got to go. I know the Bachelorette's on. So things are getting wild in the Barnes house tonight. So outside of that, had a fun time with the spring game yesterday. Richie, do you have any shout-outs before we get out of here? Um, yeah, real quick, just shout out uh my good friends Cody and Sarah. They're the ones who got married Friday that I was, you know, lucky enough to go up there and stand by his side. That was really cool. You know, I returned the favor from when he did that for me. And then shout out my wife. We had our anniversary four years on Thursday at the rehearsal dinner of the wedding. Um, wild range of emotions this week with that. Unfortunately, we had to put our 17-year-old dog down on Tuesday night. And my wife has had him since he was a puppy. So shout out Ruben going across the rainbow bridge. Uh, we miss you, but yeah, a wild range of emotions this week. Whew. Yeah. Highs and lows there for sure. Glad you guys had good, a good time at the wedding. Happy anniversary. And then obviously our condolences for the dog. It's never easy. Um, I have nothing else to say about that. Cause I'll just get choked up on the air. Um, I don't know that I have a shout out my wife. She's great. So, uh, she, we both didn't feel super well the last couple of nights and uh, are starting to are on the men. So shout out my wife. She felt bad and she was down here with two kids and I was in Tallahassee feeling like crap. So at least she, or she had to take care of kids while she didn't feel good. So shout out her uh, Richie take us out here with a song. Yeah. In honor of Ruben, our, our dachshund that's on to a better life. Now give me some uh, little Wayne, man. I miss my dogs. All right. We are out of here. We'll see you guys next week. Go Knowles.
Real G's never buckle up, but every family ain't filled with gangsters. That's real, and that's real, and I would never turn my back or turn you down, even if you turn around, motherfucker. But history is history. I miss you, and I know you missing me, Juvie. But then I miss my dog. Yeah, and I love hop. Yeah, and I do a blow and jam. And I do a hustle. Yeah, and I miss my dog. Yeah, and you through thick and thin. And you to the very end. All of you house in the air. And I miss my dog. Yeah, and I love hop. Yeah, and I do a blow and jam. And I do a hustle. And I miss my dog. Yeah, and you through thick and thin. And you to the very end. All of you house in the air. Motherfucking man, turn up. My other, my partner, I was teaching, he was father. I still D school. We chill, we move, we dug, we hung, we ate, we slept, we lived, we died. I stayed, you left. Remember how we played to the left and we stayed out of trouble because we stayed to ourselves. Remember slimming people leaving, hand the keys over, tell me not to go uptown and we went straight to the no, yeah. While I watch you reunite with your soldiers and your moms and brother while I lied to the stunner. Yeah, those were the times, my brother. Now I recognize real and now I'm my brother. Yeah, nigga, surmise my brother, disguise my brother, the nigga you left behind is my brother. And I love hopping, and I love blowing trees, and I love hustling, and I love my soul. And you do thing and thing, and you in the very end, but only you house in the game. And I love my soul. And I love hopping, and I love blowing trees, and I love hustling, and I love my soul. And you do thing and thing, and you in the very end, but only you house in the game. Thank you.